America is live and underway here on ESPN Plus, episode 239 of this fine program. Yep, coming to you on Monday, April 17th, Herc. Two days, two days from the next edition of USA versus Mexico. What you got on out there on the West Coast? That's a nice kit. It's an old school kit. Was it 90s? I want to say late 90s. Uh, Manchester United. It's a little mm. something I whipped up. What you got there? Uh, it's a little uh, El Tri. Calavera. Yeah, the Los Muertos shout there. Uh, is that who is that? Calavera FC? All right, shout to them. <laughs> I think this was supposed to be Raul Jimenez. Um, I don't know. I, I don't Raul know who it is. Raul Jimenez today. Yes. Yeah, he's steady, steady, steady. I think we've hammered him enough on this show. I don't think we're talking Raul Jimenez in this episode uh, of Football no, America. No, he wasn't on the roster this weekend. That's steady, steady. We do have lots to get to. You were working quite a bit uh, last week on Friday. You were actually at the Gold Cup draw in Los Angeles. You spoke with a variety of CONCACAF I managers. Did. So we'll hear from some of, some of those guys. We will, of course, be reacting to El Tráfico, LAFC, LA Galaxy, we have a stunner in Liga Mekis with Rayados falling at home. And Julie Ertz appears to have a new team in the National Women's Soccer League. But we will start, Herc, with a run it back. Because not just U.S. men's national teamers, so they're going to lead the way. But our guys in general had a great weekend in Europe. We'll start in the championship, which you can watch on ESPN+. Josh Sargent scoring against Zach Steffen for Norwich in a 5-1 defeat against Middlesbrough. Yeah, uh, Steffen was pretty big. Uh, early on in this game, doing his best right there. But look, coming to life, there he is. Plenty of space, plenty of room. 1v1 with Zach Steffen. Bottom corner, can't do anything about that. Muscles is way in. You think he's going to pass it. Zach Steffen's got to be worried about that. And then right there, just too much time and space puts it away. Sergeant, 12 goals and two assists now in league play. We mentioned Middlesbrough won. They're actually fourth right now. Look almost a certainty to make the promotion playoffs. Norwich in 10th, just two points back of six, though, so very much still in the hunt. Bundesliga also on ESPN+. Dortmund Stuttgart, crazy 3-3 draw on Saturday. Gio Reyna off the bench in the 82nd minute and scoring in the 92nd, Herc. Uh, correct me, or somebody please tell me if they've heard this before. Gio Reyna in the 90-plus minutes for Dortmund to save him from something. Mm. A point or a win. I don't know what to say anymore about this kid. Reina, six league goals. At that point, looked like a win for Dortmund ends up as a draw. Eredivisie, also on ESPN+. Groningen in the thick of the relegation fight. They lost 2-1, to one, but Ricardo Pepe scored. Groningen is in a bad place. Relegation zone, but Ricardo Pepe is in a great place. 11th of the season in the Eredivisie. Bigger and better surely coming. 11 goals in league play to go along with three assists in Liga Mekis. Alejandro Sendejas with not one, but two goals. A brace and a mask on his face for Club America. Get him, Zorro! Get him! Oh, that's not Zorro. I'm sorry. That's, that's Sendejas. It's Robin. It looks like Robin. No, that's not Robin because Robin's number two. He's clearly the number one in this one. Look, it's a great catch and release. It's very quick. Keeper never sees it coming. And then look at this. Great work by Henry Martin here. And as easy, as cool, as collected as you'd like. The second of the night in El Clásico. El Clásico, mm. joven. The second and third Liga Mekis goals of this campaign for Zendejas, his first since January in league play. And Alejandro Zendejas actually makes some history. And look at that, an elite company. Hercules Gomez, the last uh, U.S. international with a 
multi-goal game in Liga MX. Demarcus Beasley on that list as well. Magical oh, stuff. Demarcus there. is on that list. I didn't know own goals counted. Steady. Look at you taking shots uh, at everybody. Keenan head over there. I love that kid. We just started here on Football Americas. All right, Herc. Which of the U.S. men's national team players that we just saw in Run It Back most needed their big performance on the weekend? Josh Sargent. I, I, I don't even think it's close. I mean, go back to last window, the Nations League window, when everybody's talking, Florine Belligan, Florine Belligan, flow, 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 flow here, flow there, he's coming. Everybody forgot about Josh Sargent. And then Ricardo Pepe's back in the mix. And Ricardo says, you know what? I'm tired about listening about flow. I'm here too. You're concentrating on following Balogun and you're concentrating on Ricardo Pepe. Josh Sargent, excuse me, will remind people that he's still here. He's still, in my eyes, as of today, the player in this pool who up top is the most talented. He's the most talented nine for my money. And before the World Cup, before the World Cup, he was on a tear. Eight goals um, in, in Norwich, playing finally in a central position, scoring some goals. Post-World Cup, it's been something else. He has struggled, and then he got injured. So this was vital. This was important. This was a necessity to remind players, to remind people, to remind the coaches, I'm still here. Hmm. All right, I didn't go with Josh Sargent. I went with Gio Reyna. But uh, on Josh Sargent's point, I think it's fair, right, because it's the number nine position. So it's... Maybe not the deepest in terms of quality, but in terms of guys who you legit feel like could get that job, it is the most competitive and it's the most important open position in the team. So anybody who scores, Sergeant Pepe, that is going to help their stock, especially when I think the reality at that position, Herc, is when or if Balogun commits, he immediately goes to number one on the depth chart, right? And everybody right now who's playing knows that's the reality. So you have this time before he commits to kind of put yourself at the top of the heap or at least in that conversation. Because once Balogun commits, Herc, I think he's number one on the depth chart. And I think you're going to have a really tough time, whoever the manager is, keeping him out of the starting lineup, even if he hasn't played a single minute for the national team. I think it's illogical to think somebody's already written in if they've not ever played. But mm. the sentiment, what you're saying is absolutely right. I think the majority of people and even the players feel that way. And hell, even Fullerene Balogun's going to feel that way if he's committing. That's just a reality of things. So I understand where you're coming from that. Uh, since we're talking number nines, probably worth shouting out Daryl DK. Uh, unfortunate yes. Achilles injury playing for West Brom. He was a guy who was playing well. Uh, so, unfortunate. He seems a little bit snake bit. The injuries just keep cropping up for him at the wrong time. For me, I thought when you said this is real obvious, it's not close, I thought you were going to say Gio Reyna. Because we talk about Gio Reyna Dortmund a lot. And of all the guys that we've discussed, the only one who's playing time work is not guaranteed is Gio Reyna. In fact, the only guarantee right now for Gio Reyna at Dortmund is that his talent, as much as you say it is and we all know it is, is not enough to get him on the field at that position. He's got to be more productive. So when he gets a goal, the first one for him since early February, at a position and at a club where he is way down the depth chart, that's huge to me because we've already seen it. Even his productivity earlier in this year didn't really lead to more playing time. I hope this goal leads to more playing time because still at the end of the day, Herc, I'm not convinced that Dortmund right now is the best place for Gio Reyna. I mean, it looked at like the best place when he signed, looked at like the best place the first few years, but the way things have gone post-World Cup, you can make a real argument he needs to look elsewhere. Yep. All right, so uh, Gio Reyna there with a goal, what would we say, his sixth in league play uh, for Borussia Dortmund. Let's keep it in the Bundesliga 
because the team that Dortmund is chasing atop the table had their own stumble. Bayern drawing 1-1 against Hoffenheim. That's right, John Brooks went the uh, full 90, playing in the middle of a back three. Andre Kramaric in the 71st minute, a golazo there to make it 1-1. And our guy, Pellegrino Matarazzo, the pride of New Jersey and Columbia University, becomes the first coach ever to take a point off Bayern at Bayern twice in the same Bundesliga season. He already did it with Stuttgart. Here he is post-game with Archie talking U.S. men's national. I know a lot of American colleagues of mine, at least, tout you as one day, maybe in the future, not now because you're with Hoffenheim, of course, taking on the job as U.S. national team trainer. Is that something that is on your, your horizon as an ambition one day? Ah, oh, that's... Uh... We'll see. We'll see where the where this job takes me. Uh, I'm open for many, many paths. Uh, sometimes you just feel at a, at a certain moment what's the right decision to make. I, at the moment, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here and, and do what I'm doing. And I'm happy to be in the Bundesliga. Of course, uh, at some point, uh, I do feel like it's time to give back to, to, to soccer in the States. But um, when that time will be, we'll, we'll see. All right, Herc Matarazzo certainly opening the door there. What do you think? Would he be a good option for the U.S. men's national team? He's blushing when you asked him. Or you didn't ask him when he yeah. was asked. Um, good option? Sure, maybe. Realistic option? No, he, he's not in the eyes of many, I don't think, right now, a realistic option. Um, he talks about giving back. You don't go to the national team to give back. If he wants to give back, you'd be a coaching director somewhere. You'd be doing it at a grassroots level. Um, I think he's where he's supposed to be at the moment. I think he's so, so much of an unknown commodity to many, and I would ignorantly say almost within U.S. soccer. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, yep. The average fan doesn't know who he is. I'm sure the average pundit has never seen his teams play. But you can't deny how he gets so much from so little. If you think the U.S. men's national team has so little, maybe that's the route to go. But if you think you have a pool with a huge upside, a massive ceiling, and then you need to make strides with, I don't know if Mata, or, um, Pellegrino excuse me, would be the guy who convinces people right now. So what do you want from a national team manager? We talked about this after the World Cup when we were talking about who might take over the U.S. job, the Mexico job. And I think because so much of a national team's work comes down to tournaments, you need somebody who can get results. Well, where would a manager face more pressure in terms of getting results than a promotion campaign? We know it took Stuttgart up from Bundesliga 2 and trying to stave off relegation, which he did with Stuttgart last season. So we know when you absolutely need to get results, this guy can do it. We know he's versatile, Herc, right? He's done it at Stuttgart, and now he's doing it at Hoffenheim. I think they're 13th right now in a much better position than when he arrived. So I think his resume, at first it was a little bit Stuttgart heavy. Now he's proving that he can do it in multiple places. And on top of that, Herc, he's getting a tune out of John Brooks, who everybody on U.S. Men's National Team Twitter wants to see back into this pool. I think you could do a, a lot worse than Pellegrino Matarazzo. I think you should at least consider him, if not for 2026, Herc, what he says in that interview, 2030, beyond that, when you think of American coaches who are, who are working and having success in Europe, it's a very, very small L Let me, small let me ask you something, because I know you're a big Pellegrino fan. You mm -hmm. interviewed him, and he was nice to you, and yep. you're all about him now. Been on this show a few times. Been on this show a few times. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to mention American managers that have done more in Europe? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm ahead. about to. I'm about okay. to. Yes, yes. Right. Would you put his resume over Jesse Marsh's? 
Yeah. In terms of what he's accomplished, yeah. Okay. I mean, where's Jesse Marsh's big European success? What, what, Austria. Where's, where's Pellegrino's where big European success, Seb? I can turn a, the same questions around. The only thing I think is, it's a success to get Stuttgart out of the second division. That's a major success you in You don't Europe. think it was a success to keep Leeds in promotion last season? You don't think it was a success to do what he did? Did they get better when Jesse Marsh got there? You don't think it was a success to do what they he did with Salzburg at Champions League? Against teams like Liverpool, that Liverpool? Seb, I could turn this around many different sure, ways. Sure, it's semantics. It's semantics, I think. Who's got the better resume right now? I go Matarazzo, baby. I go Matarazzo. <laughs> when was the last time Jesse Marsh was on Football Americas, huh? All right, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the U.S. guys not the only ones scoring this weekend in Europe. No, a bunch of guys from L3 scoring as well. So let's run it back with some Mexican national teamers. We'll start in La Liga. Available on ESPN Plus, Cesar Montes. A golazo hurt for Espanol. All right, really quick. Bicycle kick, tijera, or overhead kick? What are you calling this? Uh, oh, I, I want to say bicycle, but really overhead. But he's a center back, so can we say bicycle? I don't care, it's a golazo. I, I thought it was a golazo. Uh, the interview afterwards left a lot to be desired, but <laughs> Cesar Montes with the first. Yeah, and there's Guardado starting for Betis in that game, a 3-1 win for Betis. Eredivisie, Santi Jimenez with a goal as Feyenoord, won 3-0 over Cambor on Sunday. Very Chicharito-like. I don't know how much about this he actually knows. The defender made a meal of it. It hits him like in the face, goes down, then off the post. He almost doesn't believe it, but a goal's a goal, baby. After the game, he admitted he was a little bit lucky on that one. His 11th goal in league play, 19 for Santi in Europe. More Eredivisie. Edson Alvarez and Jorge Sanchez starting for Ajax in a 3-1 win over Emin. Edson providing Jorge Sanchez an assist right there. All right, we'll give him the assist. He wants I'll to take it off assist. right there. He wants to take the. He wants to take somebody's head off and he leaves it. Good play. Jorge Sanchez gets the goal. That's the first right there. Ajax, 3-1 winners. Jorge Sanchez with an assist as well. Ajax and PSV still eight points back of Feyenoord atop the Eredivisie. Italy, Serie A, Memo Cho helping Salernitana earn another point. This one a 1-1 draw against Torino on Sunday. Herc, four saves for Memo. What is that? Eight straight games they've not lost. Memo picking up points. Uh, that guy's uh, shutting some mouths, I'll tell you that much. That's right. Salernitana, seven points from the drop zone in Italy. Memo getting the job done and seems like drawing some interest from bigger Italian clubs. Interesting to see where his future might be. Here's some of the numbers on a historic weekend for Mexicans in the Eredivisie. All right, Herc, same question as we asked for the Americans, but now for members of El Tri. Who needed it more? And I got to answer, huh? Yeah, you got to answer. Go ahead. This one for me is just like the U.S. men's national teamers. The choice is very obvious, and it's very obvious for the same reasons. Because when I think of who needs something, I think who's desperate, right? And just like Gio Reyna is desperate at Dortmund, I think we can say Jorge Sanchez is in a desperate place at Ajax. Part of that, Herc, is down to his form. I will admit that Jorge Sanchez has not been perfect, has not been great since he got to Ajax. And because of that, he needed a goal, an assist, and a good performance. Beyond that, Herc, because he's a foreign player playing on the biggest team in the Netherlands, 
he gets criticized a lot for his performances at right back. So this is a guy who is under the microscope from the Dutch media. We've seen, we've had some shots fired segments on this very show about what people are saying about Jorge Sanchez. And finally, Jorge Sanchez to me is the guy who in the national team picture faces the most competition at his position. I think right back for Mexico, Herc, is actually El Tri's deepest position. Right now for me, Jorge Sanchez is number one on the depth chart. But we know Kevin Alvarez is a great player who might end up in Europe. And we know Julian Araujo is just getting talked up by Xavi as potentially being a player for Barcelona in the not-too-distant future. So Jorge Sanchez needs good performances, not just for his club level, but for his international spot as well. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. He also is desperate. I will give you that. Let me make a case as to why it's Santiago Jimenez, and that's mm. going to sound crazy. Just scored his 19th goal in Europe, coming off of five goals that he scored in Cruz Azul before he left. But Santi Jimenez right now, this Santi Jimenez, who leads Mexican players in goals scored on a higher scale in Europe, isn't a clear-cut number one in the hearts and eyes of many Mexican fans and Mexican pundits as to who is that starting nine. A lot of them right now would tell you Henry Martin has that position, or it's a close call between Santi Jimenez or Henry Martin. When you're scoring goals at this rate, at this scale, this platform, for a team of Feyenoord who's in first place, you need to continue to score goals to erase all that doubt. And now, and now, by the way, he's approaching 20, mm. with Chicharito Hernandez looming. You need to blow this number out of the water because for comparison's sake, there is no comparison. All goals are not created equal. The 20 goals that Chicharito scored in that fabulous debut season for that Manchester United team that won the Premier League, that team that ended up going to play on a Champions League final, that was a Community Shield winner. All those goals he scored in the FA, Community Shield, the Premier League, the Champions League, they outmatch anything that Santi Jimenez is doing today. You need to just blow the lid out of the water on that mm -hmm. mark because if it's anywhere yep. close people are going to say yeah but that's why it's santi jimenez yeah you know what else santi could use goals in europa league it's it's kind of what started his good run at feyenoord and i think that's the competition that right now as we get to kind of the good end of that tournament that's a place where he can showcase himself for He's potentially uh, yeah. a bigger move you know if you get it against teams like Roma now you're really starting to attract some interest a real quick note on Jorge Sanchez second straight week Herc that he's in the Eredivisie team of the week so for all the critics out there as you said about Memo Joa, Jorge Sanchez potentially shutting some mouths La Liga available on ESPN plus as is Eredivisie and we got a good game for you on Friday Espanol boy they're in desperation mode right now. 19 facing relegations. Cesar Montes and company taking on Cadiz Friday. 2.50 p.m. Eastern time just before noon on the West Coast live on ESPN+. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? 
It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. CONCACAF holding the Gold Cup group draw on Friday in Los Angeles. Group A, where we find the U.S., they get Jamaica, Nicaragua, and a team to be determined. Mexico gets Haiti, Honduras, and Qatar in Group B. Group C, Costa Rica, Panama, El Salvador, and one more squad. Still don't know who they'll be. And then in Group D, Canada, Guatemala, Cuba, and the last preliminary winner. Herc was at the draw on Friday and spoke with multiple CONCACAF managers. Let's listen in to their reaction to the groups. Overall impressions of the group just came out. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's a good group. I think every game is going to be tough. These are complicated games. and uh, But we're looking forward to it. I think it's a good group for us. Overall impressions of the group for this Gold Cup? Look, I think the every addition it gets stronger that's that's where i've seen uh and there feels like there is a group of death for the first time and that's not us um when you look at mexico's group that's that's a tough a tough group and for us now we got to deal with what's in front of us so i'm not going to take any team lightly i think a few coaches probably looked and said i think canada got their the best group but you know all of these teams are coming in with an underdog mentality and that means they're going to be dangerous. All right, Herc. John Herdman says Mexico has the toughest group. You agree? Uh, I do. John Herdman was great, by the way. We'll show you more of that later. But uh, I do agree that it's Mexico's group. You look at Honduras, and many could say, well, this Honduras team is struggling. Mexico has historically faltered or, or, or seen Honduras as, as kind of a, a rock in the road. It's a team that presents a lots, of, lots of different types of problems for them, especially vertically. It's a team that's very fast. Uh, Elis, Kyoto, uh, 1v1 matchups, especially if things don't go right in the Nations mm. League and Mexico's forced to take a second team, you're going to have Honduras, who's always a problem. You're going to have Haiti, who is in the second pot, who's grown in strides. Uh, you've already seen what they've done at Club Saco via Let AC. Uh, it's a team that's growing. And Qatar, who's an enigma. What Qatar are you going to get? The Qatar who came down last Gold Cup, who won the, the Asian Cup, or the Qatar who faltered and was one of the worst, if not, I'm sorry, the worst team at the World Cup. This team right here, this Mexico team, could be a B team. I think this is a very difficult group for them. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty obvious. One, it's the only group that's filled out, so it makes it easy to pick Group B as the toughest. Qatar, say what you will about them. It's a World Cup team. Good point about Haiti uh, and Violet. We've seen them have success in this tournament uh, as well. And Honduras, man, as you say, there's a lot of history there. And they have World Cup pedigree, recent World Cup pedigree, which whatever this generation is going through, uh, that still matters in CONCACAF because the region itself is not that deep. All that said, Herc, I'm very confident that Mexico is going to get through this group. I think this is the toughest group. I don't know if it's the most unpredictable. For me, that would be Group C because... Central American group, yeah. Costa Rica, Panama, El Salvador, I could see... I know Costa Rica's the top seed there. I could easily see them going out. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, 
if they didn't make it. Panama, if you're going off the Nations League rankings right now, they're top dog. It's not mm -hmm. Costa Rica. It's not mm -hmm. El Salvador. El Salvador, the contingents they travel with here in the States for these type of games, that's going to mm. be very important. And Costa Rica, I, I spoke to Luis Fernando, their coach, and he's adamant they don't have as many players abroad playing abroad, so they're not as good as people think they are. This is a wide-open group. Um, I could honestly see some surprises here. Yeah. Safe to say uh, Canada and U.S. pretty happy with their draws? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Canada is very pleased with their draw. Uh, the U.S. will have to mm. battle out with Jamaica for that top spot. But I think all three of the guys I just named are happy with the draw. All right. So we heard from a couple CONCACAF managers. We didn't hear from Diego Coca. For some reason, he just said, I don't want to talk to Hercules Gomez. But I will speak. I will speak with Mauricio Pedrosa, his exact words. Let's hear what else fans. the manager of El Tri had to say. Después de ver los primeros partidos, queda la duda de cómo va a jugar México. Si vas a tratar, y lo hablo en la parte estrictamente cancha, porque mucha gente se pregunta también si como jugaba Atlas, el Atlas de Diego Coca, bicampeón, puede jugar también así la selección, con ese tipo de formación. Si hubiera puesto, no sé, la línea de 5 al primer partido, hubieran dicho que jugaba como el Atlas. Si pongo la línea de 4, juego como Tigres. Si uh -huh. pongo la línea... No, no, no. La selección la vamos a encontrar la mejor manera uh -huh. y para mí el mejor sistema es el que no es rígido, el que se puede modificar dependiendo de lo que hace el rival y lo que queremos hacer nosotros. Y para eso necesitamos tiempo. Diego Coca tiene que ganar la Copa Oro para mantener su puesto. ¿Tú lo sientes así también? No, yo mi compromiso, siempre lo he dicho desde el primer día, es hacer crecer a la selección. Eh, creo que llegábamos cuatro o cinco entrenamientos uh -huh. y yo siento expectativa que vamos a, a crecer. Esto es un proceso. Uh -huh. Entiendo que no se, de, no se respetan los procesos, que la gente está impaciente, que está enojada. Eh, sé dónde estoy, como te decía, sé de que no ha habido eh, éxito deportivo, pero a eso vengo. Uh -huh. Y lo que necesitamos es paciencia y tiempo. Tension, palpable there with Diego Coca speaking to our Mauricio Pedrosa. Herc, la de siempre. Our expectations too high for the Mexican national team, this time under Diego Coca. See, yes, they are. Now, it was a weird feeling in the Strauss. I mean, it was like almost 80% Mexico uh, television networks, reporters, mm -hmm. pundits, the attention. And all eyes were on Diego Coca. It should be a rebuilding process after a failed World Cup, after a failed process that was Tata Martino's tenure. But Diego Coca doesn't have that luxury. He's literally paying for los platos rotos. He's the one who's having everything being taken out on him for Tata Martino's shortcomings, for what Tata Martino and this Mexican Federation didn't do. So now he's the one under pressure. He may say he doesn't feel that way. He may say he's not playing for his job, but in this friendly, that's in Arizona, in a few days, if they don't convincingly win, if something happens where they lose, could you imagine the pressure that is going to be on the shoulders and on the hands of Diego Coca and the Mexican national team in Las Vegas for a semifinal game against the U.S. men's national team? I'm not even getting ahead of myself in talking Diego Coca, Copa Oro, Diego Coca, Gold Cup. He may not even get there, Seb. That's just a reality. Platos rotos, uh, broken dishes for those that don't speak Spanish. Yes, you're cleaning up somebody else's uh, broken dishes. I think we always say this, right, that the expectations generally are too high around 
Mexican soccer. I think it especially, though, applies now, Herc, right? Anybody who saw this team's performance at the World Cup has seen the issues with a lack of exportation of players and then has seen the competition, has seen Canada come up out of pretty much nowhere, has seen the United States overtake Mexico. When you see those realities, you have to scale back the expectations for Mexican soccer. But we know that's not the reality. We know that that's not what's happening on the ground, either with fans or with our colleagues in the media, especially our colleagues even here on ESPN Deportes. So I think the expectations will remain what they are, whether they're too high or not for Diego Coca. Uh, let's remind folks that you can watch La Liga here on ESPN+. Plus. What do we got? Real Madrid against Luca de la Torres. Celta de Vigo. You got to wait till the weekend, Saturday, 2.55 p.m. Eastern Time, live right here on ESPN+. Plus. Checking on the weekend action for Major League Soccer at Tráfico Sunday. What a game. LAFC, three two winners in Carson. History made there, Hercules Gomez. Neither of our parlays hit. That was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, goals from Carlos Vela in this one. He scored twice. Uh, Ryan Hollingshead with a goal for LAFC. Galaxy with a banger from Tyler Boyd. Uh, Marky Delgado got one back late uh, as the Galaxy fell by a goal at home. Afterwards, Chicharito, despite the defeat, not quite ready to give LAFC their due. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Javier. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier, LAFC, one of the best teams in the league. You know, this club has kind of struggled to get results. Get I said if oh. you consider them like one of the best teams of the league. I didn't say they were the best oh, one. Just to clear the context, okay? Because you see, that's why sometimes table, I didn't say that. Sorry? In the table, they're one of the best teams in the league. In your opinion, yeah. It's the way that it ends, man. It's 34 uh, games. We have the same narrative in the, my last two years. And then in the end, we qualified and play. We were the fourth seed. And then they were even more scared that they were going to fight against us if we, in the past, beat Nashville, right? They prefer Nashville than, than, than us. So, man, they, they are doing a very good job. They're doing a great things. But for us, yeah, it's a, a result job over here. And we depend on that. And unfortunately, we haven't delivered. But the bright side is it's just the beginning. Chicharito not willing to budge. Herc, should he get lost? He's been lost. This is the second game that he's played. He's had, up until two weeks ago, mm -hmm. zero competitive games in the last five months. And he spends more time talking about the Mexican national team or the video games he's playing than actually the problems at hand. And this is symptomatic to what's going on at the Galaxy. Greg Vanny would like people to know that he doesn't care, that the players don't care. What's going on with all this noise, as he calls it? This once great organization now has fans who aren't happy at a decade's worth of failure that it's considered noise. And Javier Hernandez wants you to see how it plays out because you say they're a good team. I'm not going to say they're a good team, even though their record says they're a good team, even though they just beat us for the first time in history in our house. Our fans, Javier should say this, mm -hmm. our fans were so upset, so disgusted, they'd rather not sit and watch against a team they hate like LAFC. The one game that every Galaxy fan and LAFC fan looks forward to, circles on their calendar, they would rather not show up. They would rather not support you because of what they've seen. So get lost, we're beyond that. And the problem here is 
the arrogance in this room, the arrogance not to accept that LAFC is no longer thinking about the Galaxy. The LAFC team, they can care less about the Galaxy and if they beat them for the first time. Sure, it's great. And Steve Tarundula said this is for the fans, but guess what they're thinking about? They're thinking about the CONCACAF Champions League trophy. Mm. Guess what they're thinking about after that? MLS Cup. That's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about if Chicharito Hernandez thinks they're a good team or not. Herc, you've been in a rivalry. I'm not defending Chicharito here, but, you know, when you're in a, in a rivalry game, is that what he's doing here, just trying to be smart and not piss off the LA Galaxy fans more, more? By, by not think- saying? I mean, if you were in his shoes, what would you have done? If I were in his shoes, mm-hmm. this is the one thing I used to love about Javier Hernandez. Javier Hernandez was one of the most humble human beings mm-hmm. that I have ever met. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest competitors when it comes to humility that I had played against. And the old Javier Hernandez would have apologized to the fans. Would have said what is happening now isn't good enough. Mm. Wouldn't have said, hey, in the end, we'll come in fourth like we did last time and they won't want to play us. But when we do play them, they'll still beat us. Mm. No, he would have had a little humility. That's the old Javier Hernandez that I knew. The one who would have appropriately handled the situation. The crazy thing is, Seb, they didn't play bad. They actually Mm. dominated LAFC for long stretches of that game. Carlos Vela, here's the thing. Carlos Vela had his worst game that I've seen from him in an LAFC uniform and still scored two goals and an assist. The Galaxy, the true Galaxy today, it's a direct reflection of what you see with this LAFC team. They had Stipe Biuic. They had a player who was a nominee for the Golden Boy in Europe come off the bench. You look at the players they had come off the bench. Bogus, uh, he's a Polish international, U21. You look at the players LAFC has, the depth they have compared to the Galaxy today. Efrain Alvarez was your third sub, and he's one of your highest earners. He played, what, three minutes? It's not adding up to fans. It's not adding up to the average pundit who studies this league and says, you know what, why is this happening? What's going on here? That's why people are angry. That's why people are offended. And that's why Chicharito, that's why Javier Hernandez needs to choose his words wisely. And you you may say he doesn't want to give them their due to upset fans. They're beyond that. They're beyond that. Chicharito had his chances in this game too to make a difference, huh? And you had had him as an anytime goal scorer. That's all you needed for your parlay to hit. So I know you were were especially bitter about that. You were actually at this game. I needed needed them to tie or win. Ah, yes. Okay. Semantics. (laughs) Uh, You were at this game. Now, a lot of people were talking about the atmosphere in Carson. Uh, what was your big takeaway from the latest El Tráfico? I thought the atmosphere was great, honestly. I mean, the supporters group not being there, it didn't feel like there wasn't a supporters group. Mm-hmm. It was just LAFC's supporters group. Mm. But even then, the fans who were in attendance were helping their team on, were doing their part. On the field, I thought the Galaxy for long stretches of this game were doing their part. Listen, the Galaxy midfield, that trio of Brugman, Delgado, and Ricky Pooch, I put that trio up against any trio in Major League Soccer, a reality. They made, they made Cifuentes, Kellen Acosta, and Elias Sanchez, no. They didn't do anything in that game. But this is just isn't a deep team. This just isn't the same Galaxy of old. And the fans fed off that. After about the third goal, after I would say the second goal, there was a nervous tension in the crowd, and you could feel that. And that's when LAFC fans who are very good fans, but just, and this isn't something that uh, you would understand this, in Liga Mekis, remove the fans 
the colors, close your eyes, you won't be able to tell which team, which fan base is from what team. They're very similar in, in the, the, the chants, they're very similar in the songs, they're very similar in those things. So from that aspect, it was still a good atmosphere. Yeah. It really came through on TV. You know, it really came through on TV. You were like, hey, this sounds like I'm watching, what are they calling? Is it, it's BMO now? It used to be the bank. This sounds like the bank. It sounds like, uh, you know, an LAFC home game. It doesn't sound like Carson. And, and that was really noticeable, especially when we talk about the history in Carson, right? With LAFC never having been able to win there. This certainly felt kind of like a, a big moment in the rivalry. I have to but say they that. they sold it out, Seb. They, they sold sell it, it out. out. I sold it out. And I told you eventually, I told you LAFC would eventually go into Carson and win. Only oh, thing is, look, Denny, Denny Bawanga didn't Chris score. Klein doing Denny Bawanga didn't score. I needed, I needed that parlay to hit. Uh, speaking of rivalries, we had another great rivalry in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, uh, Saturday in Portland, it was the Cascadia Cup, Timbers in Seattle. This one finished 4 1 to Portland. Crazy game. Seattle actually led 1-0 in the 58th minute and then four straight unanswered for the Timbers in less than 20 minutes. A big win for Portland, just their second of the season. Moves them up to ninth in the Western Conference. Seattle sees their three-game league winning streak snapped. So in our production meeting, Herc, you pointed out that you felt like Timbers-Sounders as a rivalry had lost a little bit of buzz. You gotta explain that. Why do you feel that way? Well, I don't feel they lost buzz as a rivalry game, if that's what you're trying to say, but I felt like for the first time in a long time, I didn't even know there was a rivalry game that was going to happen. The average fan didn't know this. Now, this isn't me taking a shot at anything, but back when they had deals with major TV networks, it was always to the NA, Fox or ESPN would get one of these games. Nobody would not have sure. Portland, Seattle. That's a big game in Major League Soccer. One of those networks would have them. Let's say it was ESPN, and ESPN had that game. Again, not taking a jab, but ESPN would have that game. You may see a promo for it in English. You may see something on SportsCenter. In Spanish, you would see multiple shows talking about the promo to this game. You'd see a segment on SportsCenter. Whatever the case may be, there was just more buzz surrounding it. I really felt it difficult or found it difficult, I should say, that most people didn't even know this game was happening. Now, that's not because I think this rivalry is any less than El Trafico. It's mm -hmm. not because I don't think they have players worth following, narratives, history. It's just don't feel it was promoted and say what you will about that. I feel like this is an episode of Sounders TV and we're trying to, to bury the headline, which is... No! Seattle no. won 4-1, lost 4-1. Portland. Portland won. Portland yeah, Seattle lost 4-1, and, and we're trying to bury that by saying that, that nobody watched no. it. Nobody knew about no. it. No, here's the difference between El Trafico and, and, and Cascade, this, this rivalry mm -hmm. game versus Portland and Seattle, is there are certain things in El Trafico. LAFC's never won in Carson. You know, uh, Carlos Vela, so many goals. Da -da -da -da. There's certain, this Portland-Seattle game, it doesn't matter where you play. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter where the game's at. Who's on the field? It delivers. There's always something crazy that happens. The away team wins by five or whatever the case. There's always something crazy. So that, that's not the case here. Seattle lost, and it was a, should have been a victory that put them clearly in the supporter shield uh, standings as first place. Um, the game changed in a span of 
five minutes, and then it's just one after the other after the other, and they drop four on them. Yeah. I do feel like El Tráfico is stealing a little bit of this rivalry's thunder on, like, the national scale. You know, we have had just... When it comes to El Tráfico, you're pretty much guaranteed that it's going to be a great game. I know we've had some great games between Timbers and Sounders, but it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee you're going to get a great game when LAFC and the LA Galaxy Let me uh, ask you a question. And really the other quick. thing that's important here is a point that you mentioned before, which is one game was on Sunday, the other one was smashed together with everything else on Saturday night. When you stand alone, it's a lot easier to feel like there's buzz, Herc. Okay, and you well, got to remember, you live in Los Angeles. Well, let me I mean, ask you a question. If you lived in Seattle, you probably would have felt the buzz. Let me ask you a question. If you don't live in those regions, okay, and if you don't go specifically to the Season Pass app, how would you know this game exists? Th- those, that's, a, that's, a bigger, that's a bigger question about the league. If, if, if there's national interest in the That's part, that's in part the, of the situation is what I'm telling you. One of your mm. marquee, marquee games, and few people knew about it. Right, right. It's also too much smaller markets than... Two LA teams, right? Right there, you've got two uh, teams don't in, dis- in the biggest media market. That don't like, hurt. This is DC. That don't Give hurt me a for break. buzz. I mean, you're the one Give in Los Angeles break. telling us that, that 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 Cascadia Cup has lost its buzz. You are the words of Hercules Gomez. The has. words of Hercules Gomez here on Football Americas. In Read case you missed it, Herc. In case you missed it this past weekend, New York Red Bulls they drew 1-1 against Houston on Saturday. That's not the story. Uh, the real story here is Red Bull supporters groups walked out in protest of the six-game ban handed down to Dante Van Zier for racist language he used in their game last week against San Jose. He was also fined $10,000 by Major League Soccer. Three supporters groups in a joint statement saying that the six-match ban was not enough. They also called for Red Bull manager Gerhard Struber's dismissal. Herc, what do you make of the latest fan protest around Major League Soccer? I love when fans take matters into their own hands in a respectful manner. Um, The LA Galaxy removed a player for a racist post that his wife made. They wanted not to associate themselves with that. Mm -hmm. Major League Soccer chose six games. The Red Bulls, as an organization, but we can tell, have accepted just the six games. This means much more to the fan base than it does to the league than it does to this actual team. Zero tolerance means zero tolerance, especially in an era, in an age where our sport is, racism is especially prevalent in our sport. You saw it in the Arsenal game uh, this weekend when they dropped points against West Ham. Um, Bukayo Saka and the racial abuse he got afterwards. It, it, it's, it's nonstop, and it, we're very quick to point it out, but when you can actually do something, you've not done it. And that's, that's disheartening. Yeah. So now we have the two biggest markets, New York and Los Angeles, where we're seeing supporters groups protesting. And it's having an impact, right? We mentioned it in the, in the El Tráfico discussion. You can see not just the video that we just showed you, but if you see pictures of, of, of the south end of that stadium, I mean, that's where you usually see the New York Red Bulls fans. They were nowhere to be found. That, that's got to be killer, not just for the, the product and all that, Herc, but for the players, you know, yeah. for the players who most, most of whom are not Dante Van Zier. They're not Gerhard Struber. They don't, they don't deserve to kind of bear the fans' wrath, uh, and yet they're the ones that are going to end up paying for it. Uh, to your point about the, the pressure here, at least we are seeing something that for a long time we said we didn't see in this league, which was fan pressure leading to actual pressure on management. Yeah. We see it in Los Angeles. We see it in New York. Those are big markets. The fans are starting to have an impact. I don't say we're not seeing heads roll yet, 
but the pressure is real, and, and I applaud the fans for that. I, if I just may piggyback on what you said about the players, you know, having an answer for that, that's the unfair thing here is, like, Greg Vanny actually think is a good coach, and he's the one who's kind of bearing that cross mm-hmm. for the organization and in the end probably coming out looking worse. So it's, it's one of those things that's unfortunate for the, the personnel involved. All right, so the uh, New York Red Bulls there uh, finishing up with a 1-1 draw in their game against Houston. That was last Saturday. This Sunday, the Air Divisie on ESPN+. Plus. Two teams tied for second meet, PSV and Ajax. Eric Gutierrez, Edson Alvarez, Jorge Sanchez. Could they all be in the mix? Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, live right here on ESPN+. Plus. Liga Mekis, Chivas Leon on Saturday night. This one a huge game as far as the top four goes. Scoreless at the half. 59th minute. Pavel Perez makes it 1-0 Chivas. Yeah, Pavel Perez with the finish, but this ball from Alexis Vega. Jeez, give me a break. Ridiculous 50-yard ball. And then Alexis Vega again. Is that also Gonzalez? 1v1 right there? <laughs> we'll make it 2-0 for Chivas. Gonzalez in the 73rd gives Chivas a cushion. They get back-to-back wins now up to fourth in the table. Leon fall to fifth. Also Saturday night at Estadio Azteca, Club América and Cruz Azul for Mexico City bragging rights. 12 minutes in, Uriel Antuna off the bad mistake from Fidalgo. Yeah, Fidalgo with the terrible mistake there. He's put in a compromised position facing his own goal, and then Uriel Antuna just takes advantage of that. But then, look, Sendejas with the first right there. Quick release. It's a very good reception. Quick release. 1-0, or 1-1, excuse me. Magical left foot of Sendejas tying the game just before the half. Michael Estrada sent off in first half stoppage time. Early in the second half, America take advantage. Sendejas 2-1. Picks this corner. And even through that mask, he saw it. And then, look at this, ridiculous reception and finish. One of the best goals you're going to see all year. I don't care what league you're in. Erling Holland scores this goal, and it's going, making waves all around the world. It was a ridiculous reception mm. right there. Well, we see it in the top 10. Henry Martin in the 63rd minute, the clincher, as America comes back to win by a final score of 3-1. to one. So, Herc, Chivas, America, age-old rivals. Who do you think had the better weekend? Chivas. Chivas, easily. Chivas beat a team that was flying unbeaten in their last nine. There was no hotter team in Liga Mekis than Leon. And to embarrass them the way they did, and by the way, not only did they embarrass them, but their marquee player, Alexis Vega, had a banner of a game. Two ridiculous assists. The first one, Seb, that ball, I mean, Alexis Vega is a I'm going to go at you 1v1 type of player. Use his speed, be dynamic in the final third, but most forget the vision that he has on him, his ability to set others up. That ball that was 50 yards was ridiculous. Something we've not seen from him or a player in his position for quite some time. To get in position of now a top four finish mm-hmm. and with six points to play, two games to go, be able to tie... A Matias Almeida record, Bonovich. It was just a banner weekend for the Chivas fan in general. Yes. Who had a more surprising weekend? Chivas. Who had a better weekend? America. Okay? But that doesn't have anything to do with who actually had the better weekend. It has to do, Herc. Why they have a better weekend? Well, because 
because they beat Cruz Azul. A 10-man They beat Cruz a Azul? rival. They beat a rival. They came from behind. They did it without a manager. They, they maintained the momentum that they picked up by beating Rayados, and they proved, her that they're damn near unbeatable. All right? We're 15 games into a 17-game season, Azul, and they have damn near one unbeatable? loss. One loss. And if you finish in the top two and you can't be beaten, you're going to the final. That's how Ligia works. Oh, I think it? America's flying right now. <laughs> I think America's flying right now, and that's back-to-back -back wins against good teams. If that's how Ligia works, what happened with Santiago Solari and what happened with... What happened with... Ah, you get to the final. You get to the final. That doesn't mean you win the league. <laughs> but if you're, if you're a top-two team, you, didn't you get, get to the into final. the final. No, you don't even to need to final. win. Santiago Solari didn't get to the final. He was outed by Pachuca. Don't you remember that? What I'm telling you, Herc, listen to me. Please listen to me. I'm Don't listen to, to. What's, what's ricocheting around your head. I'm saying if they finish in the top two, which right now it appears to be a lock that they're going to, and they don't even have to win in Ligia, they'll coast to the final. That's America. And they don't lose, Herc. They got one loss in 15. One. Well, you're moving the goalpost on by me. Far the fewest, by far the fewest in the league. Okay, I'm just trying to get this straight. Mm -hmm. It's it's a, a shocker. I don't know why it's a shocker, but it's a mm -hmm. shocker that you chose America out of these two as the team who had the better weekend. But you're you're telling me rolled their rivals. That rolled their it, rivals. It's, it's a better weekend because they faced a ten man Cruz Azul team and came back from behind and beat them. Yes. Okay. Just making yes. sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's move to another game because that was Saturday night. What about Sunday night, huh? Rayados and Santos, and this game calls for a borderline red for this play in the first half. Luis Cardenas, Rayados goalie, gets absolutely crushed by Diego Medina. Now, Herc, oh. not a red card, not a yellow card, nothing for this. And wow. Cardenas stayed in the game, at least till half. Yeah, Luis Cardenas, the backup goalkeeper, uh, playing this game, takes one off the temple. You can see that right there. And then the knee off the nose, just mm -hmm. terrible collision. Mm. Should have been a red card, right? And I'm not just saying that because I was very invested in Rayados minus one against Santos. No, it's, it's a very dangerous play. You sh I mean, I, I'm surprised yes. there With was VAR, no I'll, card given and you're in the on. era of VAR. But that's just, that's just putting the health of your opponent in danger right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bucetich after the game was, was pretty upset about it. What's crazy, Herc, is that there was two red cards in the first half, but this was not one of them. So uh, just madness for me, and, and I can't see how VAR didn't get a look at it. When you clearly um, had a couple instances in that replay where you see one, the cleat hit here, and then the shin go through the head. Well, I mean, you that's crazy. Had two different red cards there, for one for the cleat to the head and the second one for the knee to the face. And I don't know what's <laughs> more worrisome, the fact that they missed the call or the concussion protocol. It looked like a half-hearted DUI roadside test that they had caught in us, and they let him stay in the game until yeah. the half when obviously they had yeah. to, to make the switch. It's I mean, different from what you see. Other places have an independent doctor who come down to determine whether he's good to go. In Liga Mekis, it's the team doctor, and if you mm -hmm. can convince him. Okay, so this, by the way, the second straight defeat for Rayados here, Herc. Of course, as I just mentioned, they lost last week to a very good Club América. Is it time for calm or alarm for our friends in Monterrey? Listen, it's very difficult for me to say alarm because they've been flying for the majority of this season, but mm. let me give you a cause for alarm if you're a Monterrey fan now, okay? That's two straight games that you've lost, okay? One versus Club America when you were thoroughly outplayed, even if you missed that penalty kick. Say uh, it again. Well, but you don't have to 
I mean, you don't have to outplay the team to win. We just talked about the Galaxy against LAFC. LAFC just put the ball in the back of the net. They won. <laughs> they won. Um, when you look at Monterrey, Monterrey's coming off of losing to a team like Santos, and Santos has not won much in Monterrey, and Santos has been struggling this season. They now go and face Mazatlan, who is kind of a weird team to play. They'll be playing in Mazatlan, which makes it worse, without Rogelio Funes Mori, the leading goal scorer, who was red-carded, one of those red cards you mentioned, in this game, and you'll end the season by facing at home a new Puma squad, which under El Turco Mohamed has scored six goals in two games, three each game, and got some surprising results and will be playing for their playoff lives the last game of the season. So there is a bit of cause for alarm here mm-hmm. in the way things are trending. <clears throat> Remember a couple seasons ago when America had their historic regular season, I think 35 points, finished five or six points clear of everybody in the league. I'm getting similar vibes to that team from this Rayadas. If you remember that Club América team, they went their last couple games of the regular season without a win, and then they got to the quarterfinals against Pumas and went out, and it was a huge fracaso. I'm interested to see what happens in these last two games because it's a pretty low bar, Herc, for Rayadas. Mazatlán and Pumas, with all due respect, if Rayadas struggle against those two, then it's, it's definitely cause for alarm heading in to Ligia. You told me if you get first or second, they'd make it to the final. Now you're telling me they lost the Pumas in the quarters? What? <laughs> Nothing. Go. Let's take a look at the Liga Mekis table. Rayados, four points ahead of America. Toluca and Chivas round out your top four teams. Remember, five through 12 into the repechaje. NWSL News, Julie Ertz has got a club home. It's Angel City. Remember, they acquired the rights to her way back in December of 2021 in a trade with the Chicago Red Stars. She signs a one-year deal with Angel City, expected to join the team in training this week and could be available as early as Sunday for the game against San Diego. Herc, of course, all of this is with an eye towards the World Cup this summer. So what do you think this means for Juilliard's chances of making the World Cup squad? She's in. I don't think she does this. I don't think Vlaka goes to the process of bringing a player who's not played in over 611 days uh, back into the fold. Uh, a newly uh, a newly minted mother, a player of that importance. I don't think he goes through all that. She goes through all that. If there isn't a realistic possibility of her being on the squad, she's on the squad. Uh, more than sign it. Uh, and especially now that it's only a one-year deal with Angel City FC, it gives me strong vibes that this could be a one-and-done. Um, a, a swan song, if you will. Like, what more can Julie Ertz do at the international stage or football in general? She wants to go out on top. It's a situation where now... We're here in April. She'll have a, a bit of time before the summer tournament kicks off. Can she show? I don't think she needs to show that he's, she's 100% because clearly Vlaco will value right. her 60 to 80% over somebody else's 100. Yeah, I don't think that she's playing for a spot with these minutes with Angel City, right? It seems like she's playing for her fitness to maybe yeah. fight for a starting spot. But I, I think her spot on the team, to your point, uh, is pretty secure there. I, I think it's interesting, right, because they got a lot of games. At first I was like, well, is there going to be enough time for her? But when you factor in Challenge Cup as well, there's 16 games 
between now and the World Cup break for Angel City. So that's a lot of potential run for Juilliard. So there is uh, at least some time. And Angel City neater. Just yeah. one win from three so far in NWSL play. Let's check out the highlights from the weekend that was. We'll actually start with Angel City. They were taking on Racing Louisville. Uh, three minutes in, Savannah DeMello converts from the penalty spot to put Louisville up. And then on the half-hour mark, Woo! Kirsten Davis-Wright makes it 2-0 Louisville. Sweet little left-footed strike. Oh, no. Oh, no, set pieces. Is that oh Katie Johnson. Oh, no. Katie Johnson's going to claim it. The Mexican international makes it 2-1. And then Savannah McCaskill in the 87th minute sneaks it in 2-2. Angel City with the comeback to earn a draw. Yeah, Savannah McCaskill leading goal scorer last season with seven. Portland Thorns, Houston Dash. This one finished 1-1. Crystal Dunn with the goal for Portland in the ninth minute. Wow, those unis, Seb. I'm not so sure about those unis. Good finish, though. Yes. It's one thing when you see them. On the internet, it's another when you see them live. Maria Sanchez with a goal for the dash, the Mexican international making it 1-1. Off puts the goalkeeper underneath the defender's leg. Goalkeeper doesn't even dive. I respect it. Good respect right there for the shooter. 1-1. That's how it ends between Portland and Houston. San Diego and O.L. Reign, just one goal in this one. And you had to wait a long time for it, all the way to stoppage time. 95th minute to be exact. Our Sofia Huerta, our good friend, played the full 90 for all rain uh, in this one as they won one nothing. Uh, Olivia van der Yacht scoring the uh, game winner in stoppage time uh, in a one nothing victory for OL Reign. There you go with the finish. See, this is the thing, goalkeeper never even sees it. She's, she's looking one way and then boom. In traffic, four or five players there and never gets a look on it. And here's a look at some more results from around the league. Crazy game between Gotham and Orlando. A couple really late goals in that one. Midge Purse and Lynn Williams scoring uh, as Gotham gets the late victory. Chicago 4-2 over Kansas City as match day three wraps up in the National Women's Soccer League. And here's what the table looks like. We'll call it congested. Early season still, but uh, right now Portland and Washington top the table. We'll see you guys back here on Thursday for another edition of Football Americas.